Oh, hello, everybody. I'm so happy to have you here, and I'm so happy to have this conversation with somebody that I, uh, I have been her fan for a while because I really love the way which she speaks her truth. Uh, she's somebody that uh, it's deeply inspiring in her work, in her presence, in the way in which she shares her her view of the world. That is something that is not common in the in the industry. We find a lot of people just tiptoeing around truth, and I love that Arden just goes for it while and openly, and that is deeply inspiring for me. So, thank you so much, Arden, for coming and, and for joining this podcast. Yes, thank you so much, Sasha, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We've been Facebook friends for a little while now, so I'm so excited to get to chat with you, get to know you a little better, get to see you in real time. It's really cool. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. So uh, I love that Arden has this very holistic way in which she approaches trauma. Uh, as many of you know, I am also uh, somebody that works with trauma. I am deeply fascinated with healing complex PTSD and just embracing uh, how our body uh, reacts to trauma. But Arden has this powerful narrative around it. It's magical. It, it's about storytelling and it's about changing patterns. Pattern. So I would love to hear about your view of how we develop trauma and how how that changes, how, how we get the chance to change that narrative. Yeah, what a great question to start off with. Yeah, my my feeling, and um, and I'll put this up front, I don't work with people who are um, in the immediate aftermath of trauma. I don't, you know, um, for, for someone who is dealing with like, oh my gosh, I've just had something horribly traumatic happened to me and you know I need to to process this immediately so I can function um, that's not really my domain per se I would send someone to um, uh, you know someone who is 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 used to work in working in mental health counseling with immediate trauma but what I specialize in is when people who are um, who, who really know that they are otherwise smart and capable and have really like done, done everything in life where like that they thought they should be doing right to get a certain result. And yet they're stuck and they're unsure why, you know, their friendships are full of betrayals, um, why their relationships aren't working out, why they can hustle and struggle hard and, and nothing ever quite seems to, you know, to, to quite get there. The people who are like, all right, I've really tried everything. I know I have some bad shit in my past. By the way, can I swear? Is that okay? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Like, yeah, I, I know I have bad shit in my past, but I thought I was over it, right? Like, I thought it's no big deal. Like, everyone's everyone's parents messed them up. I'm not mad about that anymore. Like, like whatever. But why can't I seem to get for it? And there's an answer to that. And I, you know, as you know, as you followed, uh, that was something that I also answered for myself, uh, which is essentially this idea that the things that we learn, the things, the beliefs and the behaviors that we take on over time, there's so many different ways for us to learn um, and install these unconscious patterns, these unconscious frameworks that essentially dictate our behavior. Because what we, what we don't realize is that from birth and arguably even since before birth, <laughs> whether, you, you know, whether you believe in past lives or whether you're just looking at the epigenetics of, 
uh, uh, receiving in many ways the same information genetically, and this is, has been proven by science. You know yeah. uh, that uh, that your lineage had in terms of of certain. I'll, I'll just say like you know there's a study they did where uh, they figured out uh, scientists figured out that they could instill a sense of fear in mice at the scent of cherry blossoms. And then the offspring of the mice who had never experienced, you know, any of the shocks or any of the fear associations with cherry blossoms, the offspring of those mice, even though they weren't even hanging around their parents were also, you know, exhibited that same fear response to the scent of cherry blossoms, right? So this is wild. Something can like, something can happen to your grandma, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden you're in your life and you're like, why do I have this weird negative association, which you probably don't even know because it's been there with you your, your whole life. And that, you know, never mind, you know, there's that that we come into the world with. And then on top of that, you know, we spend how many years before we're even, you know, verbal, before we can really even like walk around and still learning about our environment. And I put, I put that, I put that word learning in quotes. I almost wish that we had a different word for learning that meant like, not, you know, that not learning as in like learning, educating yourself on what's accurate about something, but learning rather like experientially interacting with the world in such a way that you are, um, you, you are, you are incentivized to behave in certain ways, but not in others. Right. So we come into the world and we start interacting with it. Right. We start like almost gamifying our environment. All right. I'm born here. I'm, I'm, wow. I'm in this world. What's this new video game I'm playing. Right. And we try and we try and make our way around. And let's say that, you know, um, at five years old or, or so, uh, we learn that if we speak up at the dinner table, when dad is in a bad mood, then, uh-oh, that is really dangerous. I should not say something, right? And so we learn experientially. It's almost like, oh, I, I, I touch this and that happens. I touch this and, and that happens. And we're not thinking about it consciously. So we may even know on some level, right? This is where, this is where like a lot of self-sabotage comes in. We might know on some level, like, hey, I want to, uh, 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 grow up and I want to get a great job and I want to, uh, to work in a way such that I'm promoted and I'm successful and I'm like, I'm killing it. I'm making great money. I'm doing really good in my work environment. Um, but if, you know, there's an example, for example, uh, you know, there's a story of a man who, when he was an 11 year old boy, he said something at the dinner table that his parents didn't like. He repeated something. He corrected his father. His father was like wrong about something he had learned otherwise in school. He was like, oh, that's no, that's not right. It's actually this. And his father got really upset. And his mom goes to him, don't you ever try to be better than your father? And so there he is then at like 38, right? And he's in line for a promotion. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to get this promotion. I'm in line for it. It's so good. Like I got this, it's, it's going to come through. And then in the couple of weeks leading up to it, he starts self-sabotaging. He starts drinking, showing up to work hungover, not getting things in on time. Right. And all of his bosses are like, well, what the hell? We can't promote you. Like, wow, we, we can't, you know. I guess we're gonna have to give the promotion to someone else because you're you're flubbing it, you know. And little does this man know that inside his head is this unconscious voice being like, "Don't you ever be better than your father?" Because if you ever try to be better than your father, who is you know a blue collar worker his entire life, then you're gonna lose the love of your mom, right? And we're walking, we're all walking around having learned, like having picked these things up in different places in our environment and thinking 
that they are the correct strategy for us to keep going around the world with, right? So the moment that we learn, essentially, I created a course called The Repatterning Project, and it's an eight-week course that basically teaches you the entire map of your human operating system. So it frees you from this because you see what's happening and you're just like, oh, I get this, and this might be confronting for me to deal with. I might have some grief to release for that 11-year-old little boy who got yelled at by his mom for just trying to contribute to the conversation, right? But now that I know what it is, I know I can fix it. I know this is not real. This doesn't even belong to me, right? And I'll I'll tell you, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how transformative this was for me. Essentially, I put this information together from a number of different sources when I was having what I consider my own spiritual awakening. I was going through that same thing that I described where I'm like, I don't get it, man. I'm smart. I was a smart kid growing up. I was, you know, I was a, I was a gifted kid. I was poised to succeed. Right. And how did I end up in all these harmful environments and these harmful relationships, you know, um, just, just right and left, just, you know, just abusive relationship after abusive relationship, betrayals, you know, friendships going down the tube, money going down the tube, you know, losing like, like five figure chunks of money at a time. Cause you know, bailing a boyfriend out of jail or best friend roommate bails and like bounces six months worth of rent checks. I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? So I went down that rabbit hole and essentially I studied the way that trauma is stored in the body. I studied the way that we learn things. I already had a neurolinguistic programming certification from, uh, from years prior, but I didn't, you know, I think at the time I was like, I was so dissociated that the whole, like the weight of all the information didn't hit me until later when I really needed it. So I studied that. I studied, uh, I studied addiction, you know, I'm, I'm don't have a, I don't have any ob- obvious substance misuse problems, right? I don't have any problems with drugs or alcohol. It's never been, the, uh, I studied addiction research because the same thing that we learn, like, oh, you know, the same thing we learn, oh, this is dangerous. I shouldn't do this. We can learn in addiction, like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> I should yeah. do more of this, right? <laughs> I, should, I should take this shot. It makes me feel, you know, Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Take, taking the shot of alcohol at the bar it makes me feel more confident and uh, helps me to socialize better. Right. And then we keep doing it. And we don't realize like, you know, three, five, 10 years later, like, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic and I definitely don't feel better. And I'm definitely not any better at socializing. Like this is actually not helping. Um, so essentially it gives us the power to learn like where we pick up on these things, where we learn them and where we're, we're really sort of guided just by this initial first impression of a thing without really the full understanding of it. And my experience is that when we understand this, it doesn't automatically mean that like, you know, oh my God, our depression is cured. In many cases, it means we're like, oh, wow, I have some work ahead of me because now I know where this came from. But there's a freedom because all of a sudden we're like, oh, that's why I'm doing that. And that's Mm -hmm. actually not the thing that I want to be doing. And now what I need to do is practice responding to this situation in a different way. And there's ways of also healing that grief and healing that trauma. Like I don't ignore the body either. I don't expect people to just like, we'll just do it differently. Right. (laughs) Although you'd be surprised. There are some folks who like just right away, they'll be like, oh, I get it. And now I'm going to do it differently. And, and Hey, great. It's not my fault. You know, all, all my self-loathing that I had had over this not working out, like, oh, it must be me. It must be my fault. They let go of that right away. So, so it's really, you know, uh, 
it's, it's really just a, a miraculous understanding of the way that we want to use our own human operating system. So, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's in a nutshell, the, the way that I, I look at and work with trauma. I love it. And there's something so unique that I have found in your work, that it's uh, the story, how to create a different archetype or a different character for yourself. Uh, because I have found that uh, what, with what you're saying, right? We, we don't know better. We, we keep repeating the same pattern because we don't know there is another chance because the kid just learns that there's yeah. just one way to go and we don't know better. But then uh, the challenge is how could we do different? Uh, and that comes with, with this new narrative that you help people create. I, I would love to hear about that because... That just is, uh, it gets together two things that I love, which is uh, archetypal psychology and trauma. Uh, and, and you just put it in a direction that it's so, so focused. It, it's really like an arrow, like, okay, now you have the bow, now you have the, the string and you have, and you can shoot it in a whole different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. So, um, so the repatterning project course that I take is, uh, that I teach, sorry, <laughs> I, I take it too. I take it every time I teach it, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, that's sort of like the very left-brained technical, almost like the user's manual, right? It's like, we're gonna sit here and we're actually gonna figure out how our operating system works. And then I teach another course in the spring and fall. Uh, I teach the repatterning project every summer and every winter. So I'm actually, I'm enrolling now. We're gonna start with July 18th this summer uh, for this round of the course. And in spring and fall, I teach a course called Myths and Magic. It's a little shorter, it's a four week course, but essentially it is about exactly what you're talking about, where it's, it's, it's once we understand that technical aspect, then we can start to work with the right-brained aspect, with the creative aspect, with um, what roles are we agreeing to take on in life? What stories are we telling ourselves? What stories do we want to be telling ourselves in our, in our lives? Where, where do we want to be embodying a certain role in society or a certain archetype or a certain way of being in the world um, that we're not giving ourselves permission to do because we have learned that that is unsafe for us? Where can we, where can we start to look at changing our stories, right? Where can we start to look at um, being, uh, uh, you know, for example, um, there's a lot of folks out there who, because of their upbringing, um, sometimes even because of their race, right? Because we live in a pretty racist society, obviously, uh, because of uh, how they were treated, not only by their parents as a child, but how they were treated like by their peers, you know, in high school, how they were bullied, right? There are certain people who grow up feeling like, the only place I could fit in is being the sidekick, right? Mm -hmm. You see this a lot in particular with um, like Asian, like how Asian men are represented in Hollywood, right? Like where it's like, oh, I, okay, great. I get to be uh, uh, the nerdy computer guy in the tech lab, um, or I get to be like the, uh, the, the dorky, funny best friend or, or whatever, but I'm never, I'm, how come I'm never the romantic lead? I actually had, when I was working in pickup artistry, you know, I was a pickup artist way before my awakening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, I was in that industry. I had a, a friend, a friend of mine, JT Tran, who is Vietnamese. And he specifically created a company that was for Asian men about like, 
getting their confidence about themselves up so that they felt like they were sexually desirable, like they were romantically desirable because the media just keeps putting out there like, hey, if you're if you're an Asian guy, like it's a little better in 2021 than it was, say, 10 years ago. Right. But, you know, for a while it was like it was all like Harold and Kumar. And that was like that was what you got to be. So seeing something like that and knowing that like, that's one corner of that phenomenon, but that can affect, you know, so many people in so many very different ways and keep us out of actually living the lives that we want because we're not seeing examples of ourselves represented or we're not feeling as we're growing up that it's safe for us to be this one thing or the other thing. Um, then that also affects us too. So we, we take a look at that and it's a little more, it's a little more playful. It's much more right-brained. It's much more, um, uh, um, yeah, it's less technical, right? It's it's about the stories that we're telling. It's less about the circuitry and it's more about, you know, what narratives are we choosing to engage in? I love that you have both aspects, that you have the technical, how it works and that it gives so much awareness to people. Just listening uh, how when some people just understand that it was never about them, that it was about something that they learned that can totally shift the, the pattern because they understand that it was never something wrong with them. Uh, and then, okay, what to do next? Comes the right brain, comes the creativity and the playfulness. I find that's like such a holistic packet that you that you're offering, of course, in two different times, but also you have a space where people can connect uh, and come and discuss this kind of, of understanding. You have you have a Facebook group. That's where I where I get to read your your work so often. So uh, yeah. you, you just tell us a little bit about this group and this space. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a free group called the Repatterning Parlor, and essentially, it's you know, it's it's a it's a supportive hub for people who want to be better. And oh, wow, that's such a weird phrase, right? Want to be better, right? But want to want to be more functional in getting the results they want, who want to be happier, you know, mm -hmm. and want to be able to show up as their best selves. But they're feeling frustrated because, you know, the world that we grow up in, by the way, does you know this, right? But the world that we grew up in does not set us up for success. Like, <laughs> especially our generation, right? Um, I don't I don't know about you in particular, like the, you know, uh, how you how you grew up or, or what you were um, sort of pressured into. But I know that for me, um, in my upbringing, it was very much like, grow up and get a college education. Doesn't even matter what you, what you get your degree in having a good degree. You just need a college degree and that will well, get you. Get a right. Well, we found out that was a lie. Right. <laughs> so, so here we are like in the middle of the worst economic recession that we've seen pretty much in our lifetimes, right. It's this, and it was 2008 and we're just like, Oh, what are you kidding me? You know, you, you didn't, you didn't even help us, <laughs> you know, to, to like you, all the things that you told us ended up, uh, ended up being lies. Right. So, um, so where was I going with this? <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, we're not people getting together because there's something oh, we're that talking I about love. The group. Yeah, the group. <laughs> yeah. I love that it's a group of, um, the, the, the word that comes to mind is like a group of misfits, people that couldn't really belong in the common groups where everybody portrays their wealth and their, and how well they are doing. It's people that it's just very transparent and they, and they uh, sometimes have uh, neurodivergent uh, ways of thinking and they sometimes have uh, backgrounds that are uncommonly portrayed, like, like 
I like that you have created a space where people that couldn't feel safe in other spaces get to feel safe and thrive. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because, of course, for me, I'm just like, oh, well, those are just they're just they're people. Right. But it's, it's interesting because those people who are posturing or flaunting their wealth or trying to say that they've arrived when they really haven't. It's like I wouldn't even know what to do with those people because I'm like, man, until you get real with yourself and admit what you're I, I can't help you. You know, if you if you think that you've got it all figured out because you have, you know, you, you have your, your house and your car or, or whatever. OK you know, call, call me up when you realize that that's not enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, the, the, the group I think is, you know, thank you again for saying that, but yeah, the, the group is, you know, we're a bunch of people who realize that, um, you know, so much of this is not our fault. It's our responsibility to change our own lives. No one's going to do it for us, but it's not mm -hmm. our fault. So it tends to, you know, we tend to gather people who are really kind and really, like you said, honest and transparent. And, and what it is, is it's a supportive atmosphere for people who are like, you know, um, Hey, here's what I'm dealing with. And I'd like some help. You know, this is what I'm going through. And what I like about it is that it's not a culture of people who are complaining. Mm -hmm. but it's also not a culture of people who are bypassing. It's people who are being super real about this is what I'm going through. And I, I love so much that like the people in the comments, like everyone in the group really shares this culture. They'll meet that person with compassion and with understanding and without blame, but they'll also be like, here's my suggestions on what you could do about this. It's about not wallowing in, oh my God, everything is so bad and everything is always going to be bad and fuck the world, right? <laughs> what are we going to do? Because that's, there's nowhere to go from there. That's not helpful, right? But if we can't share honestly and transparently about our problems without being judged, then we're not going to be able to solve them. So, so thank you for saying that. And, and yeah, that, that culture is, uh, it's, it's important to me that, that that group that that yeah that that is what the culture is there because that's really the way that we start healing and lord knows as i was saying the world has not set us up for success especially our generation so we need all of the community support that we can get because man it is not our fault that there is a pandemic outside yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that was not handled well by the people who were in power and that uh that you know basically uh, what like a third of the job market was just uncreated this year and 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 no one cares i mean we care right but no one is no one at the, the systemic level is doing anything about it at this point you know not soon enough not fast enough anyway so it's really it, it sucks but it's also freeing to realize well it is up to me to create my life uh this isn't fair i shouldn't have to you know i shouldn't have to like monetize and and personal brand my entire existence to survive but here i am <laughs> right it's an apocalypse out there what else are we going to do so so yeah coming together and finding those spaces of community support which is something that's very important to me as well totally 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 and uh you have kept that space with fierce love because you're super fierce when it comes to crossing boundaries when it comes to people trying to to be harassy or to be you know untruth uh, so that, that is something also very valuable, that, that creating a safe container. And I can only think um, that that's the same thing that you do in your, in your containers, in your, in your repatterning project. And, and that, that safe container that it's fierce and loving translates in the way which people can heal around you. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The nice thing about the container is that I really don't have to be all that fierce because the people are, people are there to learn, right? They're like, Hey, I'm showing up. Here's my intention. And at that point, I just get to be of service. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be honest about um, my thoughts, but honestly, like the material does the majority of the work for me. I don't ever in my containers have to trigger people, get in anyone's Mm -hmm. face, you like, I'm just like, literally the way, the way that I teach is I'm like, all right, well, here's what works, <laughs> you know, here's, here's what, here's how this works rather not even just here's what works. Here's how this works. Here is how I would go about approaching this particular problem. Here's what you're saying. And okay, if this doesn't work, well then let's dig deeper. Why is that not working? Is there a block around your ability to, to do this? Okay. We didn't get there yet. Right. I will be very honest and transparent of, about that, but uh, but yeah, my fierceness is mostly for, you know, it, it's just, it's just bullshit. It's just, you know, I'm on my Facebook page and I'm saying, you know, is this some, it's just, this is an example that just happened the other day. This is one of the posts you shared about polarity practice. Yeah. I was like, oh, polarity practice is all bullshit. Trust me. I've seen the whole thing. It's just crap. And it's, and someone's like, well, why is it crap? You get, just can't just say that this is just wrong and then leave. And I'm like, actually I can't. This is my wall. This is my post. And by the way, I was like, I have written six lengthy posts about what I have learned about polarity. And if you can't scroll up to the first comment where I've linked all of those posts before you want my personal time and labor in interaction talking with you, um, then this is not a good faith argument. You actually are just being defensive because I've called out something that happens to be something that you, uh, uh, you know, uh, still have a place for in your own heart. And that's between you and that belief. And the day that you get sick of that, call me. But in the meantime, I'm not going to, you know, it's just, it's just a boundary. People are just looking to suck your energy regarding that, you know, and it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't, um, you know, allow people to, to question me or challenge me, you know, that's absolutely fine. But it's, it's, it's the spirit from which it's coming at, you know, it's the spirit of, um, is this person a client? Is this person, you know, learning from my work or is this just another coach who's triggered? Cause I said something that is a threat to their own business. In that case, I'm like, I'm not here to prove myself to anybody. I used to be <laughs> before I repatterned. Right. But, but me just, yeah, me just calling my energy back from that is just, you know, that's, that's just part of this, of this process too. I'm never going to, I'm never going to convince any, everyone and I don't want to convince everyone. I want to, you know, I want to be able to be of service to the people who specifically come to me and say, Hey, this is a problem I'm having. And if they come to me with that, then I'm like, we're going to fucking fix this. And if what I said the first time doesn't work, then we're going to dig deeper and we're going to figure out why, and we will do this together and we'll keep doing it until we freaking figure it out. (laughs) I love that. That's one of the things that I really love the most about you, that you have that, uh, that fierceness that is not so common because people try to convince everybody. And there is this idea that the spirituality is all kind and gentle and it's just truth and it's okay. No, it's not okay. You are deceiving people. So don't say that it's like, we need to, to be able to speak up and I love that but I also love that you have that that other side like once people cross that threshold to receive them with that safe and loving space so it, it's such a it, it's like this guardian of the gate that doesn't allow anybody <laughs> who brings bullshit to, to pass but once they are right. on the other side they find the silver city right like they find that safe space 
Oh. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I receive that reflection with a lot of gratitude. I, I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> and then you also have this amazing uh, practice because you're an artist. You are you're a singer. You have this beautiful uh, uh, whole body of work in Spotify that people can follow. I will I will make sure that you'll have the links below. Oh, wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're a singer but even as you sing and, and you compose your songs you're making magic you're you're creating this new reality that you want people uh, that you want for yourself and that's what you teach people so uh, that that's part of the myths and magic uh part of the right brain, brain part so i would love yeah. just to hear uh briefly uh, how because i don't want to take too much of your time but, but i could just go on for hours uh, how did you uh, create that like i know that this is a topic that it's very dear to your heart i perceive magic tells magic uh how does that match with your oh. teaching Yeah, what a great question. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, actually, that, that was something I was actually going to, to dovetail on the other question with too about, you know, being fierce and establishing boundaries in a, in a, in a coaching world where, where so many people are trying to just be like, oh, I, I honor your truth. And, <laughs> you know, this, this vapid sort of checked out. Um, people often forget, like people in the, in the coaching world forget that Um, I am first and foremost a rock musician. I am from that world. That is where I took on my conditioning. And uh, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, my magic teacher is Grant Morrison, who's a chaos magician who came up in the punk scene, right? Like I have a I have a, a cover of a Ramon song on my last EP. So people are like, you're rude. And I'm like, no, this is just my world. And I actually think your root, your, your world is a lot ruder because you will sit there and love and light people. And while you're harming them, right? <laughs> like <laughs> if I'm, if I'm harming you, you will fucking know it. because we'll call it with a lot of swear words or whatever. I don't want to harm people, obviously. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, I found, uh, when I released my last EP, um, my last EP for my band, Arden and the Wolves, I set an intention Um, I knew I was like, I, I knew at this point that I was like, I've been too reckless with my heart. I've been too undiscerning. Um, and I know that the next phase of my story, I'd released previously two sort of like practice EPs. It wasn't, I didn't really wholeheartedly go for it. I was just finding my sea legs as a magician, musician and magician, I suppose. Um, and I kind of knew that this chapter of the story was like, All right, I've written all these songs about like loving people and going for it and breaking my own heart, making a lot of stupid decisions. So the next chapter is where I rein it in and I, and I actually honor the fact that I've been burned and I try and heal myself. And, and I named the EP, uh, Who Can You Trust? Uh, which is also the name of the single that was off of that EP. And I set that intention. And what I ended up with was five songs that sort of took me through this progression of really taking a new approach to acknowledging the harm that I had experienced in relationship, which I hadn't done before. All of my songs were about like uh, uh, being a hot mess, pursuing like wild sex with a lot of bad decisions, right? <laughs> Because when you're in the rock scene, like that's kind of part of your conditioning too, or it was for me anyway. And what happened 
between, I guess it was like early 2016, maybe late 2015 when I started work on that album. And what happened by the time I released it in 2018 is everything that I wrote about, all the trauma healing, like I went through it, I processed it and it happened. And I came out on the other side of it. And like I said, I, I covered a Ramon song. I covered the Ramon's poison heart, which the mm -hmm. chorus of it is like, well, I just want to walk right out of this world because everybody has a poison heart. And that was where I was at. I was like, I keep loving people and, and everyone's a, a, just a, a fucking asshole. Why is this happening? Right? Like we we're talking about in the beginning, like the, why is this happening? I don't understand. And then right as I was wrapping up the album, this is going to sound weird. I don't credit myself for this, by the way, like I'm, this is just a wave that I was on, but you have to understand when you're in my experience and seeing this happen around you, it's very bizarre. The end of 2017, I'm wrapping up the album. I'm just putting the final touches on the production, sending it in for a mix. It's going to come out in early 2018. And what happens with the Me Too movement, right? The Me Too movement then crests into the mainstream. I want to be um, careful that I credit uh, Tarana Burke, who created the hashtag, created it many years before, but it was October 2017 that is really considered the moment that it peaked into the mainstream and became a huge wave. And I was wrapping up the album and I suddenly realized, and the cover art is like me with a man's hands around my neck and my eyes are wide. Like, I'm like, uh, is this sexy? Are you choking me for fun? Or is my life actually in danger? Which is a good question for myself at the time. And all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, I basically just made me to the album. Like everything that I was processing on this five song EP is all of a sudden being reflected to me in my reality around me. And obviously, as I said, I'm not going to take credit for the Me Too movement because I made a five song EP, right? Like that's, that's, it's, I consider myself like a drop in the wave that was helping things go there anyway. But mm -hmm. I will say like, it did not work, right? And it, and it certainly, it worked for me. And so coming out of that on the other side, I was like, well, I guess now that that worked, I better be pretty responsible about what I write my songs about. Because it turns out the things that I'm writing about are coming true for me in my reality. And this was also true of, of my magic teacher, Grant Morrison, who coined the term hypersigil, which is mm -hmm. a term that basically is for narrative magic, where you're working with, like, he was writing a comic book, like a long comic series. And he noticed that what he was writing about his main character, who he had designed to look like himself, was happening to him in his own life on a three to six month delay. So that's when I was like, oh, shit. I guess I better, I get, I guess I better write the things that I actually want to come true. And, and since then, you know, it, it's, we'll have to do, we'll have to do an, another episode, you know, maybe like early next year when, uh, when I, I put out my full length album, because I have a ton of stories about how uh, uh, that album ended up coming true for me in, in my own life. But yeah, it made me a lot more responsible about what I was writing. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. I would really love to, to just have a whole conversation about that. That's so fascinating. And, and it, uh, it's that missing piece in the puzzle for me. Like how, okay, you understand how your body is processing trauma. You understand that you didn't know how to do better. You understand that you didn't have an example now how to write yourself into this new reality. So like how to actually create a responsible, uh, in, from a responsible approach, the life that you want to live. That is so a full circle. 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's what I want to be able to do for other people, you know, is to the, the thing, I think if I could leave with one like factoid, like one statistic that really put all of this into, into perspective for me, I would say that it was learning about uh, the ACE test, right? The ACE score, the adverse childhood experience test is basically a test of 10 yes or no questions that, you know, have you experienced this during your childhood? Yes or no. And uh, I just want to put out there, it's not really a comprehensive test. I think that um, uh, uh, it could, it could be expanded to be more inclusive in the future, but it does give us a, a certain idea of some concepts. And those concepts are essentially what I learned. I was like, I've got an A score of, of five. And uh, what I learned is if you have an ACE score of, you know, um, what is it? I think like uh, four or above, you're like, um, I'll have to look up the exact statistic, but I think it's like you're 10 times more likely to be an alcoholic than someone who has an ACE score of zero. Even though the ACE score only measures for things that happen up to the time that you turned 18, right? If you have an ACE score of six or above, you are 46 times, 46 times more likely to be an intravenous drug user than someone who has an ACE score of zero. And here's the one that really fucked me up because I am a sexual assault survivor as you know, as you know, I've been transparent about that. And, uh, and the whole time, you know, with, with sexual assault, obviously, you know, I'm obviously also a feminist and, uh, and feminism was there saying, it's not your fault. You weren't asking for this. All of that is true, right? But what I found out is that women with an ACE score of four or higher and minus five are, um, uh, let me put it this way, women with an ACE score of zero have a 5% chance of getting sexually assaulted. And, you know, that makes sense because there is always like that, that random asshole on the street, right? Again, it's not our fault. But women who have an ACE score of four or higher and minus five, that chance goes up to 33% from 5%. So it's six and a half times more likely to happen. And I looked at that and I was like, okay, hang on. There's a missing piece here. Cause I know this wasn't my fault. I know I wasn't asking for this. I know that the fault of my sexual assaults lies entirely on the people who sexually assaulted me. But if there is something that has somehow stored itself in the memory of my emotional body, where if I changed that somehow, what's the difference between me as an adult and someone who's an ACE score zero? Because those 18 years aren't happening anymore. So if I can get myself from the 33% the category into the 5% category, I would like to do that. <laughs> and nobody's going to do that for me except for myself. And, and that is what I did <laughs> for, for myself. And it's now what I teach other people to do. And it's, it's, it's just remarkable how things that are not even happening anymore can, can leave memories or, or, or learned patterns and behaviors that can keep echo echoing throughout the rest of our lives. And it just takes that awareness to say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to not do these things anymore. I'm not going to, I'm going to, it's not going to be immediate. It's going to take me time to build up as much strength in this new neural pathway as there was in this old neural pathway, but I now know what I need to do. I have a handle on it. And so because I have you know, before it's like I was doing everything and I didn't know why it was not working. Now I know how to do something that works. My life is not necessarily going to change immediately overnight, but I feel better because I know what to do and I have a plan going forward. And anything that comes up in my life from this point forward 
I know how to look for it. I know how to address it and I know how to change it. And that's the power that I think the course gives. I love that. I love it. And I have read the, the testimonials. I, I, I see that people find that healing and find that, that change in their lives and that starts showing in their results in their daily life. So that is so, so, so empowering. And I really want to thank you for doing this work. It's so important and it's so necessary. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so grateful to get to chat with you today. You know, it's, I, I really, I feel, uh, I feel that support. I feel where you're doing that same work that's on the same wave, right? Even if your approach is like, like you're, you're taking care of maybe like a different piece of the pie, but it's all for the same cause. It's all for the same healing. It's all for the same, you know, bringing people into community and sustainability. And so it's just such an honor to chat with you. I really appreciate it. That's a pleasure. Uh Everybody, please check out the links so that you can subscribe this um, to, to this um, not not version. What's the word to this um, time uh, uh, in your program to the repatterning program this um, spring? No, oh my God, what's it gonna be in summer? Summer. Yes. <laughs> summer. <laughs> yeah, we start July 18th. So, and uh, and for anyone who's listening who's interested, there's early bird pricing until the end of June. So you definitely want to hit me up before end of June and make sure you get that that you know make sure you get that discount. <laughs> yeah. I live in the jungle, so we have two seasons. We have hot and extra hot. So. <laughs> but, nice. Yeah. Everybody, please check out the link. And um, thank you for joining this conversation.